This is episode 38 of the No Limits podcast. I'm your host, Joey Goche of Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. Welcome back. One of the things that I began to appreciate as we grew our social media presence was people who could tell stories and draw emotions through a single image or series of images. And there's a, there's lots of pictures of someone holding a fish they caught or a duck they killed. And and that's cool. I'm not throwing rocks. I've posted my fair share of those. Right. Um, but I have been noticing more and more spending more time really contemplating and thinking about what goes into creating those images that draw upon my own experiences. And they are familiar, I would say, even though most of the times I don't know the artist, but even though I don't know the artist, I feel like I do know him. And I feel like our orbits aren't that far out of sync. And it's not lost on me that in times where people, for whatever reason, move in and out of your life, in and out of your orbit, that God puts us on paths that intersect with other humans that you feel like you've known them forever. And so as I was scrolling through the interwebs one evening on Instagram, I ran across one of those super moving and inspirational pages. And I've, I've lately become more in tune to the things that go on at pre-dawn and dusk at the hunting lodge or fishing camp, um, at the boat launch, at the place where the shrimp boats take off in the dark when they're finished loading up their ice, um, the moody silhouettes and how life ebbs and flows without sound and nearly without notice. And I've become obsessed with learning to capture those images and trying to convey what I feel in one single image. And that's what struck me about this page. It was for whatever reason, I was feeling what I thought the artist may have been feeling when he snapped the shutter. And so we connected and talked and come to find out we both have hunted in the same area. Uh, we know the same people and I think we've even stayed in the same duck camp and didn't even really know it. Uh, the world as it turns out is not as big as we think and our orbits often circle one another very closely. So the page, which I'm referring to is John Brooker photos on Instagram. And we're lucky enough to have John here with us tonight to talk about his life, his path of turning a hobby into a profession, and ultimately his journey to deepen his relationship with Christ. So, John, thanks for coming on, brother. Joe, it's great to be on uh, on tonight. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's believe me, the pleasure is mine. Um I really want to, as we were talking before we started recording, I want to dig into kind of your pre, your creative 
process and, and what you see that says, Hey, get the camera. Um, but before that, let's go back to the beginning where it all started. Where's, where's John Brooker from? Well, I'm from Dalton, Georgia. So for those who don't know where that is, that is North Georgia, as in we are currently 20 minutes from Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, south of that. And then I'm south of Atlanta, or north of Atlanta, uh, two hours. So I'm kind of stuck in uh, kind of what I tell folks, well, where are you from? And then best describe it. Well, I'm 20 minutes from Chattanooga, <laughs> Tennessee. I'm two hours. Atlanta, <laughs> and yeah. I uh, just tell them I'm, I'm basically just right there at the foothill of the mountain. So, are you near the Cahutta National Forest? I could be, I could hop in my truck and be in Cahutta National Forest in 15 minutes. Okay, so interesting story. I didn't tell you this before, but um, I because I do so much work with law enforcement, I did a lot of work with Murray County Sheriff's Office in my previous job and got to be really good friends with one of the detectives there and actually killed a bear in Cahuta wildlife management area. And it was the most miserable experience of my life because up and down the mountain ain't good for fat boy at all. It's hardly good for the skinny ones, but you know, it's, (laughs) it, 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 uh, um, Cahuta does have a lot of bear. We, we're getting basically to the point to where hardly any deer are killed there now. It's just bear. Um, it's just um, when you say, oh, I'm going hunting at, up at Cahutta, well, the first assumption is, oh, you're going bear hunting. Uh, and the same with Mountain, which is just, just shy of Cahutta. It's just on the other side of the of the county, and it's just it's covered with bear. Uh, almost to the point to where it's like it's almost dangerous to hike and camp over there. Oh, oh, I, I can, I can testify to that. Cause we went to move a stand, um, early, early one morning. The, the, the bear there are kind of like the hogs are down here yeah. in the Delta. Yeah. And so went to move a stand because they're pretty easy to scout for. You just look for the branches with white oak acorns all over the ground. And, um, one rule don't climb the white oak tree because chances are they're going to be in the tree with you at some point. Um, and, uh, so I went to move a stand and I'm, you know, easing through this stuff and my, I picked my headlight up and not third, 25 yards in front of me was one that I don't know who was scared, more scared me or him. Uh, but he went one way and I went the other, but we wound up killing one, um, not super big, but it was fun. Yeah. Especially, yeah, it's, especially it's somebody from South Louisiana that's never done it. So, it's uh well for for one the terrain is just totally different. You know? Oh my gosh! And then yeah, it's it's a different type of air, different type of humidity. <laughs> um, you know, and then um, it's it just the adrenaline rush is just something totally different than what you'd get out of a a boar or even a you know a deer. You know, we I. I crave the adrenaline rush of a big buck coming in, but man, a bear getting in front of you, that's different because he can take that arrow or take that bullet mm-hmm. and he might come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can tick off or you can't take a deer off. So I never realized how quiet such a 
huge. I mean, dude, it the the yeah. the one that my buddy had a shot at looked like a Lincoln Continental. Yeah, and yeah. never heard it. It just all of a sudden it was just there, and I'm yeah. like, good grief, man. But that's uh that's a really I love that area. I mean, we killed one and and the the funny thing is like we went down the switchback to hunt and so we killed one and we said, "Well, we got to drag it up to the truck." Well, uh, yeah. Had we been using our head, we just would have pushed it down the hill to the next switchback and, you know, picked it up down the hill, which my my buddy that's from there um so why didn't y'all just push it down the hill i'm like well because we're stupid and we don't do this and you do so you should have told us because it made sense is why you didn't do it exactly exactly so (laughs) growing up that's uh growing up in dalton we were talking um about some of the people that we know in circles that we run and i had i had hipster on here and he's from kind of the same area um yeah i can yeah, he is. Uh, he's like headed towards Atlanta for me. He's uh, right at about 25, 30 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. We we do see each other from time to time. Both have cameras in our hands. It's typically when we're doing some uh, photo ambassador work uh, that we share in common, which is over under co. And um, so we we've we've found each other a time or two with the cameras. Not very rarely with a gun. So. <laughs> Well, that's a shame. Maybe not. It is, but it, you know, here's the way I describe it. That's cool. You got that bird swinging in front of you, and all the thing you got in front of you is a bead, but you don't have a 200 power zoom on that bird when it gets shot. Right. So, you know, it's like a, it, I guess, perspective. I mean, whether you put that in life or in photography. The cam- the cameraman really has the best seat in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. You see so much of that bird when you're swinging. You know, you're just like, okay, get in front of that beak, swing, boom. Well, it's essentially the same with the camera, but you can see it a lot closer. Yeah. Well, and you can see it over and over and over again too. Exactly. Yeah. It, especially when you're pulling it up on the screen, and you can just keep hitting that tab button until you see that BB hit the mm-hmm. hit the head. Get by. I just can't shoot a gun. It's just a rough day. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what did you do growing up in Dalton as a kid? Um, it seemed like it's a great place to hunt, great place to fish. Uh, you know, so that's just it, really. Like, I was, you know, pretty much the normal kid. Um, I have a big family, just to start there. So to start there, how about I just jump into the family part and yeah. I can kind correlate into what I did and because yeah. it my very involved in that. So um for starters, big family. Got mom and dad and then I got four brothers and a sister. So and three of the brothers are married, so I've got some sister in laws. Uh they all got kids. My one sister ha- alone has seven kids. Yeah, on purpose too. I know what causes uh, so, that if she needs me to send her an email or something. I mean, I guess there's just not not that much on TV to watch. <laughs> I, you know, but, I mean, I've given them a list of good stuff to watch right now. Currently. Dude, they only get three channels. <laughs> yeah, and it's the wrong channel, obviously. And if the president's on, you got nothing to do. 
food good channels. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, she's a, uh, my one sister has seven kids and then the rest got, you know, uh, they got my one brother, uh, has two kids. One's adopted. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the story. Can't have children. Let's adopt. Total God thing. Holy cow. We could go on for days about how God was involved in that one. But um, skip that part, though. A couple years later, they, they get pregnant, have a little girl. So we uh, we were blessed with that, you know. And it was, it was a totally cool thing. It's just, yeah. you know. God works. It's just, it's crazy. But mm-hmm. anyway, he's got two and then my other brother has three. My other brother has three. So I got a lot of nieces and nephews. Uh, yeah. So my, my, uh, and then I've got a, uh, a child, a 16 month old daughter. Um, and I guess I'm just getting back for everything I gave to them. So all the tireless days of nonstop energy, I'm, I'm paying for that. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I haven't figured out yet if it keeps me young or if it's just making me older quicker, but <laughs> either way I'm wearing out a brand new pair of tennis shoes. But, um, so yeah, a big family, man. We, we, uh, we're a tight knit family. You, uh, you can guarantee every Sunday after church where you're, we're going to be what's called mom and papa's house. We're going to have lunch. Mom, uh, Keeps keeps us all, keeps us all in check, and Dad just is kind of going rolls with the punches, you know. And yep. um, I'm I'm blessed to have the family that I have. Uh, it's to kind of st- take a step back. I'm adopted, mm. so which is to say I'm you know I'm given the Brooker name um, is totally something. Uh, that I don't take for granted. Um, it's uh, usually when somebody says, "Oh, you're a Brooker," you know, you're tied in with some good. You know, there's some good people linked mm-hmm. to that last name. I'm not a. I'm not. Uh, I don't take that lightly either. That's just that's something to be blessed with. And um, you know, like I said, I was adopted. Um, long story short, uh, my so my family, my mom and dad fostered. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but to be totally truthful, they fostered over 20 people. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, foster so many, they were putting campers out in the yard. My dad was, um, man, I got so much knows. respect for people that do that. Uh, I mean, it I just, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, know? you, it just, it is such a, you just have to be so devoted I mean, because you have a big family to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, to add more to that, it's like, I just, I've got such crazy respect for people that do that. I really yeah, do. Yeah, and you know, met my mom, and if you met my dad, it just like, I, I mean, call me biased, call me whatever, but like, nobody could top them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's, that's thing about it like they have set such a high example that i know that i'll brag a little bit i'm a good dad you know um we all strive to be you know some people don't you know but i strive to be the best i can and the 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 main reason of that is because i had such a great example Mm -hmm. 
I grew up, I was around my dad nonstop. If I wasn't with my brothers or my sister, you know, they looked me everywhere. I was, my brothers were graduating high school. I already graduated high school when I came around. So, you know, I, if I wasn't being lugged around the town or going out to the woods with my brothers or something, I was with my dad. And my dad invested a lot of time with me along with my brothers and sister. But I've always had such a strong example of how to be, you know, a father or even just an, an individual. Yeah. Um, I don't think you would ever find anybody out there that could say one negative thing about my dad. And so I guarantee you that's not the same case with me, but <laughs> I try, you know, um, I try to be a good dad. And, and just because of that, that just makes me so thankful that I had um, to be given such an example of. And then, you know, my brothers, they do a kick butt job at being a father and a family. And we just, you know, we, we're, de- you know, we're special. I think we're special uh, in many ways, but, uh, you know, we, um, if you came, if you came over one Sunday and you just spent the day with us, yeah, you know, I think that was, you know, I think you'd feel leave. Like if you left, you'd be, you'd feel like you were blessed to, uh, for one good food. Yeah. Um, we, we eat a lot. Mm -hmm. We do well at, (laughs) uh, we don't struggle to eat. Um, and then you'll, uh, we usually burn it off Sunday afternoon, uh, with a good old game of wiffle ball. We play there wiffle ball out in the yard and, uh, our family's big enough. Obviously we have even teams, both sides. So yeah. We don't ever have to body down the street and say, Hey, we're missing a guy. Come on. Yeah. You don't have to recruit um, anybody with that many people. You don't have to go across the, over there and say, well, let's call the Let's call the Johnsons over there and see if they'll come. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? like, we we don't we don't struggle with numbers. We could have our own football team if we wanted. But now, were um, you? Did yeah, you, did you play a so lot of cool sports growing up? Can, yeah, it's just so cool. Like how you can be by God put into a, such a family that I, you know, I don't deserve. I don't think anybody deserves um, it. But you know, God's grace is just just something that we can't even fathom, Mm-mm. you know, Mm-mm. but to, um, to go into what I did, I, I was just pretty much the average, average kid, but I had just not, a, not so average size family. So I was always doing something. Uh, my brothers, they, whether they were on dates or not, on, not on a date, they took me everywhere. I was in the back of a pickup truck or a car. I, I was somewhere. Yeah. Um, you could find me in the deer woods. Always went deer hunting, uh, uh, fishing. I mean, I drove them crazy. Hey, you know, when you going fishing? When you going fishing? <laughs> like, take me. Yeah. Um, and the, I always, I always say they're the blame. They're the one that introduced me to it. So, um, which I'm thankful for. Uh, so my family has always done. It's always been a, tr- a broker tradition um, at our family farm uh, that dates back for generations. And we have always um, done dove shoots. Um, not dove hunt. It's a dove shoot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, hey, I haven't shot this gun in a while. Let me, you know, that's the gun. That's the place you go to. You buy a gun just to go break in. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Hot barrel action. Just, you know, you, you average brown top millet and you just shoot all day. And that's, that was one of the big things. If you got invited to the Brooker dove shoot, you were, you felt like, well, I'm, I'm probably going to get my fix for the year. Yeah. Yeah. You can't beat a good dove shoot, dude. You can't. And it's that it's a, it's a big thing in these parts to dove hunt. Oh yeah. Our Saturday of September, you about know where everybody's going to be all the, all the girlfriends and wives and everybody's left at home and, or they're out shopping and every guy that owns a shotgun is out there slinging lead. You know what I think it is? Um, and I, I tie it to waterfowl hunting. I think maybe edges it out a little bit, but it's so social. Um, Oh yeah. Like you can just get a big group of guys together. Um, and what I like, why I think it lends itself to, especially duck hunting lends itself to, you know, ministry, if you want to put it that way, is that, man, when it's slow, there's a lot of things that can just be, you can unfold and unpack and and talk through um, that if you're sitting in a deer stand by yourself, man, you can't make a, you can't make a noise, you can't make a smell, you can't whisper, it's, it's um so I think dove hunting and duck hunting, waterfowling especially, is just very very social, and I think that's why I'm just drawn well, to it. That's the that's the best part of both both of those things. It's the camaraderie of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's um my best memories by far are on that farm at a dove hunt. You know, just sitting there when it, they first started taking me. You know. You, I, you know, you wake up, you smell the breakfast cooking, and then you look down the hallway, and there's about 11 shotguns lined up. Dad's got all the guns out. The brothers are here, and yep. everybody's throwing in some D40 through the action, just mm-hmm. getting ready for dove hunt, and, uh, you know, just getting ready, and I can I can remember it plain as day, and, and still to this day, we... We still shoot dove. Uh, we had a great. We have a great time. And uh, oh, and then you, know, you get on up, to you, then you get on to your brothers about missing shots. And oh man, you know how did you, golly? You want you want me to bring them to, can, you any closer? Or? Let me tell you, you might have missed three shots of that Remington eleven hundred, but by golly, I hit mine with my red rider. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all boys shooting 11 feet per second. I'm only shooting 350. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so the power line, man. Right, right, right. So you got to get the Zebco with the, with the decor, throw it over the power line and reel it up to the, so yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, um, went to high school there. What about, uh, after high school? Uh, well, I played basketball in high school. Okay. I uh, played basketball in life. Um, and then after that, um, I went right into work uh, with my dad. Um, he said, you know, you can, you got two choices. And I, you know, I, I uh, went to the workforce, started working. What did he do? I thought, well, I'm sorry. What did he do? 
He is a plant manager for a company that my brother-in-law owns. Uh, it's, it's extrusion. They make yarn. So for most of like outdoor material and trampoline and all that type stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, you know, if you'll start working, there's a spot open. We, you know, so I should, you know, did just the, whatever they had available to keep me on the clock and work for a while. And, you know, did shipping and all that. And, basically whatever I could put my hands on. And then, um, two years later, uh, I moved out of there and went into the turf world. So synthetic turf, you know, AstroTurf. So I worked for AstroTurf and, um, just, so let's try something new, you know, and start from, you know, just a lift truck operator and then slowly, gaining knowledge and went into the quality control did it for a couple of years and then got more involved with claims and warranties and um all the you know the the dirty stuff of the business i guess you could say just the the backside of it and then you know and then so got if your into warranty more got if your warranty got turned down you can blame brooker your claim got yeah. denied. You can blame Brooker. Well, regardless, because you know, I, 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 you know, when you're in claims and warranties, you never get the phone calls that are good. So, That's right. Uh, yeah. So, but enjoyed it. Learned a lot. Got a lot of turf knowledge. Was uh, able to work with some of the finest people uh, that did not hoard knowledge. You know, and uh, while I was getting in there, I, uh, I started picking up a camera. I thought I'm gonna just start. You know taking a camera with me when I go hunting, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm sitting in a deer stand. I, I could have got a cool shot by a camera, you know, something on a phone can't do. And so I, um, I bought a, you know, like everybody says, buy the kit camera and just start off there and work your way up. And, uh, what was it? I met, it was a Nikon D3300 and it had the, you know, the 18 to 55, lens oh, yeah. and then the 300 you know just the the old five the old 5.8 uh old yeah yeah, yeah i'm with you dog. yeah it's and um started just started shooting you know and um locally there's a guy that ends up being more of a mentor to me he's had a lot of uh high-end client clients in his profession he's a full-time photographer as well um, and he, I met, I messaged him on, uh, Instagram. I said, Hey man, first off your, your stuff's incredible. Love, you know, love your style, love your shooting. Um, started asking just small questions, you know, and he was like, look, do this, do that, you know? And then, uh, basically was like, Hey, take a couple of pictures and then send them to me. And I want to see what you, what you do with them. I want to critique you. I was like, great. That's what I want. You know, I want constructive, constructive criticism because I want to hear from what a pro would have to say, you know, kind of like and I did to you me, this week. Oh, <laughs> nah, your, uh, your start was way better than mine, buddy. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Um, he, I've taken, uh, I've taken really me. good pictures of the inside of a lens cap. They're awesome. All done that. They're awesome. Uh, it's even better when you take a good picture, but there's something right there on that sensor. Mm-hmm. But um, 
so you know he told me he's like you got a great eye like I, I can tell you you got the, you just need to learn the ins and outs of the camera to make those photos even better and he said stop shooting that auto you need to shoot manual and he course. said never ever turn that camera on auto from now on you shoot manual and you'll get it shoot 500 photos in manual and figure it out and then by then you'll 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 start getting it so i shot like 1500 photos and, you know and one thing after the other and then i started showing him his photos so he said you know you're getting it you're starting to get it and i thought okay good deal so i ran with that and you know one thing just led to another time goes by i just start saying hey buddy let me go hunting with you i want to take some pictures i don't even want to take a gun i'm just i just want to take pictures okay cool you know so one thing led to another you know you come back you you're so excited about what what you shot it's like i gotta see this you know what i mean i gotta see this on the big screen and uh yeah just one thing led to another and i started enjoying yeah i was enjoying it at first but it start it started to click and then I started to love it. And I thought, you know, if I like never touched a gun again, I don't think I'd just be totally heartbroken. Um, people think I'm crazy. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still climb up a tree uh, with my bow and my gun and try to kill a deer. And then I go on duck hunts and I'll, I'll shoot, you know, no problem. Um, but I, I get my greatest joy with the camera it's just to me i like more what a shutter can do than what a shotgun can do and i just uh i haven't really looked back you know just like mm-hmm. sometimes there's there's days i'm like you know there's the camp there I, you open the back seat of the truck there's your gun right there and there's your camera there's never been a any mini money mo it's like well, i'm taking the camera yeah because i can't miss with a camera. <laughs> you know, so. oh i can i can help you there <laughs> Um, what, what are your, cause when I look at all your stuff and it, you know, you guys and gals that are listening, just look up John Brooker photos. What is John Brooker photography or is it John? Brooker? It's John Brooker. It's John Brooker photo on Instagram. Okay. That's what I thought. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really perceive much of a bias. Like some guys you can look at and it's 900 pictures of turkeys. And then occasionally, but I don't, I don't get, I don't perceive much of a bias in your stuff. Um, what is, what's your, what do you find your favorite subject or do you even have a favorite? Ducks. Eh, dogs and ducks. Like if I could shoot one thing every day, it would be dogs. Mm Mm-hmm dogs uh, there's just something about them and i you know if if you read the captions of my dog some of the dog photos that i've posted like it's how i feel there is nothing on this earth more driven than a dog like i've always said if if we had the drive of a bird dog like yeah and we here- would they would have to be ceos they were you know what i mean they're never have to be bosses no we all get the, the job here's here's what i <laughs> i agree i i agree with you and here is 
part B of that, they do it to please their masters. To, That's like, the thing. They work about no, but you. Right. They they don't. But you sure that water? Like you know that water's like four four degrees right now. Like are you sure it's just a duck? Like they don't ask questions. They don't look at you. The only time they look at you is when you're ready to tell them to go, or when they you don't miss. think. They don't complain. They don't whine. They. I had they one. Are an, I had I one can't, that used to give me the stink eye when I would miss. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that rightfully so, you know. Yeah. Cheating them. They're there to get get the job done, and they can't do their job because you're not doing theirs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do you yep. have um? Because I'm looking through your page right now. Do you have a favorite image? Like one that just, like, man, if I just had to show somebody one image that I created, do you have one that sticks out? <sighs> That's a good question. You know, I currently no. You know, I... I would actually honestly have to go back through my Instagram and just see what I've posted and really kind of think about it because, you know, each image is different in its own way or the emotional meaning of some of these photos. Um, and, you know, I would probably have to say my favorite photo that I've ever even taken, it might not even be on Instagram. You know, mm -hmm. it might be, I'd be belonging to another customer that I'd shop for. And that I just say, you know, these are your photos, you know, you only can post them, you know, something like that. But I just, any dog photo is my favorite photo, yeah. especially when they're perfectly frozen in midair and everything's sharp and crispy. I just, uh, some of the guys that I shoot for, they'll tell you if I get a good shot, uh, if I get that shot that I'm looking for and I look, I, look at it you know eyes are sharp the even the detail and the the water is just crisp i jump up i go nuts i go crazy i mean you'd have thought i just hit a, a scratch off ticket you know well i, can I just tell you, you know, some of get fired up some of the ones that i saw that were like that on like yeah. all of your fourth of july stuff uh with the fireworks are just super 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 just dialed in um but i would no, that's my what's that that's my grandfather's fireworks i you know what i remember reading that i remember reading yeah that. how did he get into doing fireworks dude man so he is the father to my dad so i told you a little about my dad you know mm -hmm. there i mean i mean same exact person just older doesn't care about himself at all. Just only just wants to bless people. And he puts on fireworks show and he, he, the amount of money that's spent on fireworks, I don't want to know, you know, and nobody like, like he would even want to tell people, but you know, 350, 400 people show up to this every year. He, uh, and he does the same thing at Christmas time. He, uh, puts a huge display in his big yard, I don't know how big his yard is, um, six acres. I don't know, you know, big. And he just puts up lot Christmas lots, and mainly just for the kids and family to enjoy. Just to make and people so happy. he does the same. 
just to make people happy, that's all he cares about. Just other, if other people's are smiling, it does not matter mm-hmm. what else is going on. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, his firework shows are just something he's just, he started doing it probably about 10, 12 years ago, and he, he has not skipped a beat. He's probably already put in, now, if it's already on, if it's already June, he put in an order probably January. So, um, it's a big order. So it takes several of us with the trucks to load up and go get it. Um, mm. actually he bought an enclosed trailer just so he could bring it all back. So, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's just that much. Well, it's about a 40 minute. <laughs> I can tell you, um, as I was scrolling through, like here were some of my favorites, right? Uh, all the dogs that you shoot. I agree yeah. with you there. Um, and then there were some of the Timber Flats Lodge where I got to looking at them like, and, and I didn't see who was tagged. So I didn't realize it was Timber Flats until I really started. I'm like, man, I've been there. And then the Southside Lodge, cause yep. you got characters like AH who his motor is on one speed rabbit all Bit. the time. <laughs> yeah. He's the closest person I've ever met to like a, a lab. <laughs> He's just go. <laughs> Dude, that's exactly, that is exactly right. And I'm talking about, I would be in bed. So we stayed at the Timber Flats Lodge. This was, well, that place was nice, man. Um, yeah. Three, three years ago. And so we're making plans, me and Blake Bailey. And, um, you know, Garrett was there and we're trying to figure out like, you know, where we want. So we go to bed. Dude, 3.30, I hear AH downstairs on the phone already with somebody about where the ducks are. And I'm like, good grief. Yeah, he grinds. Yes, he does. Um, But I think those, like AH's dad, Coach, is just an amazing human being. Um, And, yeah, he was like (sighs) – he is a genuine individual. You know, Garrett was like, I was, actually, I was riding up with Blake Bailey when we first come across this whole Timber Flats deal. You know, like he was, they brought me up there just to come check it out, hang out, take some random pictures and just have a good time. And uh, <laughs> he's like, wait till you meet Coach. I was like, well, anybody with the name Coach, he's got to be some sort of legend, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even shed the light on this guy. Like it was, we got there late. It was like midnight. He was up in a recliner watching a a Western, you know, gets up. And I mean, he don't have a, he don't have a gap in his step, buddy. He just Mm -mm. up and like, he's ready to go. Like he could have stayed up all night talking to us. I thought, I'm I'm, here. I am. I've just been in a car ride for six hours. I'm dead. Yeah. This guy's been out working in the fields and, probably said hey twice to everybody in the county and <laughs> yeah, oh like, yeah oh it, yeah and i can tell you man, man like we we showed up so we followed ah over to the south side lodge um you, know, you go yeah. right across the road there and drive down and um so we show and uh, i think maybe uh coach had had known about us maybe ministry wise or whatever maybe ah or blake had kind of filled them in a little bit about what we do and man, yeah. we sat there and drank coffee and talked about Jesus for about an hour and a half before it was oh, yeah. time to go hunt. And uh yeah. it's just 
man, it's just so good being around people like that. Yeah, it's um, it really just makes everything so much more positive too. Um, you don't even have to. That, then, like, if you have a bad hunt, that's a, that's totally okay. You know, it it was already worth the trip. Right. Um, I went during the duck season. We killed some ducks. Uh, they had a lot of rain, so we had some flooded timber going on. Um, two years ago, we killed. Yeah, it was two years ago. Okay, and we killed some ducks. You know, just in some timber, and we didn't kill them, like smash them. You know, but man, some of my favorite hunts ever. I bet we probably only killed six ducks. Mm-hmm. You know, like six, kill six ducks or sixty ducks. Like, man, yeah. if you're in the timber buddies that you know that are just good old boys like me like garrett and blake you know and you you just you're working just as hard to kill six ducks as if you wish to try to kill 60 and you know it's just the com- like like we talked about camaraderie like mm-hmm. there is no there's something about leaning up against a tree in the water and shouting across the you know and just having mm-hmm. laughs and it's just it's magical and it's like you know, any of you listeners right now, if y'all have never been in the duck timber, just do it once. Even if you don't have a pair of waders, you'll freeze. It's still worth it. Hey, you'll man. warm up when you start. Yeah. When I started hunting, when I was young at my grandparents' place in central Louisiana, there was a pond that backfed into a little Tupelo slough. And the wood ducks would come zipping through there in the morning. And uh, we we didn't have, we were poor, man. We didn't have hip boots or waders. Like we just went yeah. in jeans and tennis shoes. And when it, you got so cold that you couldn't stand it, then it yeah, was time. Be- years ago. <laughs> Dude, I just thought you were supposed to like, this is so awesome that you just, yeah, you get cold and wet. Big deal. I mean, yeah, it ain't, it ain't part of it. Yeah. yeah, I just that's exact. That's what I thought it was. It was just part of it. But I'm going to tell you, man, that I think it was two years ago. That time you're talking about when the river got out of its banks, and back yeah. behind Southside Lodge was all full of water. All those fields yeah. were full of water. Um, I bet I missed you a day or two. <laughs> you had to. It, we couldn't have been more than just a few days behind or in yeah. front of one another. But we took the side by sides back. You follow the fence lines, you go around, you, you up on the hill and the, you know, the fields are down below you a little bit. And, uh, it was, it was only timber because it was the fence line that was wooded. Right. And you were looking out, it was fields in front of you, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. And AH just, (laughs) if a group wouldn't finish, AH had to go adjust everything. Like, oh no, that oh, decoy yeah, got Oh my gosh, dude. I'm talking about ADD like you ain't never heard of. OCD, everything with the D. Oh. Yeah, he's crazy. Whatever three yeah, letter whatever three letter uh addiction or affliction you can have with ducks, he's got it. Because you know, he's on the river all the time. Well, you know, to do what he does, you gotta have that. Like you, if you have two percent lazy in your blood don't work you won't do it yep it don't work look at look at some of these successful guys in this in the industry like it's because they only know one thing it's you know it's go yeah they don't it's, split time with nothing yeah it's it it doesn't stop and you know and i i continue to you know hope that ah and those guys 
just bang out the ducks, man. Just tear them up year after year. And, you know, it's tough. You know, there's been such a crazy switch with the migrations and mm-hmm. how these ducks um, have adapted. And, you know, and you just never know with duck hunting these days. It's not as predictable. You know, oh, you, you're out there. Oh, these are perfect conditions. We got 15 mile an hour winds and it's 28 degrees. Why aren't the ducks just here? Yeah, it can be. I don't know how many times, how many days I've sat in Arkansas, you know, where are they? You know? And like, they ain't, they're not a duck in the sky. And mm-hmm. then two days later, you can't keep your gun loaded. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's not the, it's, you, you said it like you used to be, okay. Conditions are right. And especially down here in Louisiana, um, yeah. man, I haven't hunted Louisiana, my home state. I haven't hunted in years because unless you happen to be out there when they're moving, you, you can't, there is zero predictability here anymore. Number one, you have to chase the ducks. You have to chase them. Well, that's, that's why I find myself all the way up there. Um, that's why we did a whole film of, of Aiden going all the way to Saskatchewan. It's because, Mm -hmm a hurricane took our marsh and flipped it upside down to where we didn't even recognize it anymore. Um, right. And the birds just don't, they don't come here. Now they'll, they're still, they'll still kill specks in the Southwestern part of the state in the rice fields, because that doesn't change. I mean, you can control your water, you can control the food, but here Southeast part of the marsh, like Southeast of new Orleans, where my camp is, um, mm-hmm. dude, unless you're out there when a big front comes in, you're, you're wasting your time. It's sad. Oh yeah. It's sad. No doubt. Um, you and I were talking, something happened at work that, um, I think I, I don't, I don't know. And we'll get into kind of what your, what your spiritual life looked like as kind of a kid and growing up and, and how that whole thing played out. But something happened with you at work that really forced your hand into making, you know, your hobby of photography, your profession. Talk about that. I, uh, I've been working at AstroTurf, um, over seven years at that time and things were um, there's a lot going on at work. A lot of people leaving, let being let go, et cetera, et cetera. Um, took new ownership and things just started kind of going south for a little while. And then, um, things were just starting to get, you know, not just going, not exactly going to the dark side, you know, just a lot of changes were being taken place. And, you know, and unfortunately I, me among other people, I was one of those that were let go. And, um, I thought, man, what a terrible time at this, at this point. Um, like we, you know, me and my wife are expecting a baby. We have, you know, I got all this, like just instant thought, like how am I, you know, I mean, you, you just instantly think, well, I don't have a job. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to keep preparing, you know, to have this, for us to have this baby and, you know, and, but I'd, at the time, at, during that heat of the moment, I'd forgotten that 
I've been doing photography for at that time about three years and you know it's, it's, by the end it's established um, some some clientele and you know had marketed myself some and then you know a client you know word of mouth locally and you know when I got home I told my wife what happened and she said well at least you have photography I, I kind of laughed at her I was like you know I I can't what are you talking about I can't be a provider with the camera you know what I mean it just wasn't it just didn't seem like that's just not possible um she said well at least do that until you find something else you know I said yeah that that that's a good idea you know and so it just it, it drastically fast I mean just from the moment I said okay I'll I will push as hard as I can to shoot the camera as long as I can but you know I was still hopping online looking for on you know jobs and filling out applications after application and you know got several phone calls you know on on phone interviews all this and during that little stretch of looking for work things just started spiraling it I started booking photo shoot after photo shoot after photo shoot. And it was, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do now, see, it's portrait stuff, you know, wedding. I do a lot of weddings. I do a lot of uh, senior portrait, senior session stuff, um, f- family, anything that's involved portrait. I'm, I'm probably got my hands dabbled in it. Well, I basically, the next 30 days later, you know, I, I shot the camera like 22 times. 22 I had to 22 photo shoots the next month I thought what what is going on you know like <laughs> and I was talking to my wife again I was like you know it's kind of crazy she said is it crazy I said well yeah I mean I just did not see this you know being a a, a real job you know and a lot of people I mean, I still get it. You know, these people. When are you going to go back to work, buddy? <laughs> I am. I am. I mean, I y- y'all see me going like a hunt and shooting photos, you know, and oh, he's just playing around, or um, you know. I, but have you ever shot a ten-hour wedding? That's work. <laughs> it's it's, and then the work starts when you get home and you got to throw it on computer and start getting to work. That's the that's real right. work. But that's when li- you that's know, when like, light, that's when Lightroom wears you out. <laughs> where's my computer out yeah so um you know it yeah it's just like it was almost surreal and i had not fully accepted it yet you know i thought you know i'm just i'm hot right now it, you yeah it's seasonal yeah it's the yeah. it's beautiful outside the colors are right everybody wants you know, all all the families and the girls want to put on a dress and get their senior picks done. You know, it this will pass, and then it's going to be dead. And it, um, you know, I, and I, month after month goes by, and I just think, well, what's this month going to be like? You know, what's this month going to be like? I don't have anything. You know, it's two weeks before this month is coming up, and I'm thinking, well, I have nothing booked. Like, so there's no income. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I start stressing. And, you know, only God, only God, because at heat of time, something will just, boom. Oh, hey, I need you for four days to do this. I need you. I'm thinking, yeah. well, that was a close one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know what's cool I'm, about that, John, is that um, we 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 tend to not live like we need Jesus to show up, like we need God to show up sometimes. Um, yeah. And I think some of the most, some of the best moments of my life were when, hey, if this, if this is, this thing, whatever it is, is going to pass, or if this thing is going to work, uh, it's only going to be because you showed up. Like I, I'm exactly. at the end, I'm at the end of everything that I can do. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like read Philippians 419 is my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ. Like, you know, if that doesn't speak a little about, you know, and it's just, he knows what we need. He, he never gives us more than what we need. And if you, you know, if you trust in the Lord, then he's, He's going to bless you, but you just can't sit back and say, okay, bless me. You know, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Who trusts in the Lord, he is like a planted tree by the water, you know, that sits out at roots by the stream. Like Psalm 1. There you go. I mean, just that, that, you have to put in your share too. You know, God's not going to do everything for you, but he doesn't give us a mountain we can't climb. And, if, oh, if man, you're putting in the boot work, he's going to make sure you get there. And yeah. so, you know, when I was working at AstroTurf, and this is another reason why photography, I even have a more of a love for it. It's like when I was working, you know, I was, I was corporate. I had a good position. I had a great paying job, you know, just, you knew what you were making every month. And you get tied up into this corporate world um, and it's worldly, you know, Um, not to say I just fell off the wagon or nothing, but you know, I just, I didn't have to rely on God. And Mm. so when you don't have to rely on God, you distance yourself like 100%. Like that's just our nature. And when that happened, you know, Oh, I'm in trouble. You know, I'm going to start praying. You know, but, um, but ever since I've had to do photography, um, for a living, I've had to rely on God. I've had to say, you know, okay, you know, it's month by month, you know, you get you, when you do something for yourself and you have to provide a living, you know, you, it's a day by day thing. Um, but if God's in there day by day with you, you know, things will turn out. You just got to trust yeah, him. I mean, you got to put in the work. I mean, you know where I where I find myself a lot of time. Like I was just saying, some of the the best times for me spiritually were the times that were the worst for me physically. But Scripture says, Scripture says, God will never leave you or forsake you. And what we see as as bad, He uses for good. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, and so my problem is I 
get on a roll at work. Um, mm-hmm. you know, got contracts coming in and sales are clicking and, um, I tend to, even me who founded a ministry, right. I tend to put Jesus on a shelf sometimes until I really need him and then take mm-hmm. him down, dust him off and go, okay, do your thing. Yeah. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? Where you been? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing that, um, if I'm honest with myself, that's one thing that I am consciously always having to like, man, the days where I start off in his word, um, like today I didn't. And, um, it's just cause I got up late. I had a bunch of stuff going on. Um, so I didn't start off in his word like I usually do. And my day sucked because of it. And it's because I'm trying to fix everything myself instead of, instead of letting Christ be my advocate and bringing that to him and go, look, whatever happens, I'm faithful and I trust you. Um, I know you're faithful and I'm faithful and I trust you. This sucks for a reason. Uh, but man, I can't tell you the amount of times where just things have been rough, like with one job to the next. And it's like, man, when you don't, when you don't see a way, every door is closed and Jesus is like, Hey, I got this window open over here. It's been open for a while. If you would just stop, be still and know that I'm here and I'm in control of everything. Um, it's going to work out and it might not work out for you to where you think it's the best you think it's the best for you. But I know the beginning and the end you don't. Um, so trust me and man, I can't tell you the amount of times either in my personal life or in my professional life or things that are going on in the ministry world or whatever, where it's just, I can only picture him like when we get there and look back and he, and there's so many things, dude, that we just, we will never have the answers to like, man, why did, why did you do this? And we'll get there and he'll go see, and you'll go, Oh, Okay. Told you so. Told you so. That's what that's exactly where I was going, dude. Told yeah. you so. Yeah, I told you, you so. So let me ask you this. Um faith wise, you you it sounds like you're you were kind of steeped in the word from a really young age, is that correct? Yeah, so um my family has always been church in church. Um that's just there are no ifs, ands, buts about it. Uh, my mom and dad have been teaching a uh, Sunday school class for over 40 years. Hmm. Um, they've been married over 50 something. I mean, they've been, you know, they, they got married at a young age. Dad, my dad was still in college. I mean, when they got married, they went, they lived in a college dorm. <laughs> my dad was going to hmm. college, getting a, a degree. And uh, they had already had, they been married a year and then they had their first and you know dad was going to college and then working and just you know it but they've always put christ and you know what's what's crazy is that my dad it was never a christian not always a christian he um he didn't get saved till later in life um i want to say he was like 30 something when he got saved 
And, and not that he was like, a, you know, considered a, a heathen or anything like that. Uh, or, but ever since then, like he's shown what it's like to be a godly person. Um, you know, the rest is history for him, you know, and ever since then, like, you know, God has been a huge part of everyone's life and our family. So yeah, like growing up, as far as I can remember, I've always been a member of the same church. Um, that's, that's, that's just a huge part of who we are. It's just mm-hmm. church, right? So yeah, like I, I did, um, don't know if you've ever heard of it, Bible drill. So it's like, um, it's, it's like you do it when you're younger and you know, you, it's a, it's like competition in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I hate to put it that way, you know, you should, competition, you know, religion just, just don't really go together, but you know, like, um, I would always been involved in sticking my nose in the Bible. So, you know, like mm-hmm. my mom, like I say, she's the backbone <laughs> and, uh, if you know my family, everybody knows Joyce Brooker is the backbone of, uh, of my family. And um, I always just thought that, you know, if she was the one back in Jesus' time, she would have been the one helping him carry the cross up when he, before he was crucified. Like, she's that person. So she's the one that carries our cross at the house. And uh, she just set such, a, such an example. Um, and sometimes it, you know, it can get a little annoying. She'll get it. She'll get on to you. She'll, she'll well, quote the scripture real quick on you. If you, <laughs> if you're well, that, that's what that. we, that's what we need sometimes, man. We do. We do. It, there's not enough of it in this world, but yeah. So I've always been in church, um, s- Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, my brothers were, they're all, uh, teachers in the church too. So, um, my oldest brother, I don't know how long he's been teaching Sunday school, but a very long time. Um, but you see, you know, like, you know, the example. I mean, they just, they follow the footsteps and they, uh, they never, they never take a step back. Yeah. You know, as I talk to, uh, you know, podcasts, talk to a lot of people, it's kind of what it is. Um, I've, I've noticed that, a lot of guys that I talked to that said, yeah, you know, I grew up in church. Um, mm-hmm. Dad was a pastor, taught Sunday school, the whole nine yards. Um, but like yeah. my, I guess what the root of it is, is that there was some, at some point they had to make their faith their own. Like they had to own it. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. Just, just because you go to church and you, you go through the motions that's ex- that's external, you know. That's mm-hmm. but that's just the outside of her shell. But what's on the inside, you know? Um, yeah. that, that's that's one hundred percent it. I mean, you know, think people think, oh, I go, I've gone to church my whole life. Well, that's good, you know. You know, pat on the back for you. That's that's some devotion, you know. But and and, and what else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good. That you can tie your shoes, that's good. Can you tie your tie? You know what I mean? That's, that's right. That's right. You know, for me, I'm kind of like your dad in that I I wasn't saved until I was over 40 years old. Yeah. 
It's um, never too late. No, no, no. It, but it was, you know, for, for me, so one side of my family was Catholic. The other side, you know, the, the Catholic church in Louisiana is huge, 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 huge. Yeah. Um, and one side was Methodist, one side was Catholic. And I would just hear these contradicting things going back and forth. And I'm like, all right, somebody's right. Maybe somebody's wrong. Maybe. Um, and what I started figuring out is that it's all just religion. Like when I, when I talk at, um, and I'm not talking about worship, what I'm talking about religion is man's futile attempt at pleasing God by any means other than faith alone and Christ alone. If you think you're uh-huh. going to work your way to him by doing all these things, um, you may be religious, but you don't have a relationship with the savior. Right. Um, the system doesn't save you. The savior saves you. That's right. Um, and, and so my event, I, I find that sometimes people can put like a date or like, this is when I really owned my faith. Right. For me, it was hunting. It was hunting in the timber in Mississippi in the Delta. Um, and I just had so much junk that I was tired of carrying around and my testimony is getting ready to drop in our project identity. So I won't ruin it for anybody. Um, but (laughs) like, I, it was at that, it was December 11th of 2010. I can tell you where my right foot was and my left foot was yeah. where I just decided to make, you know, my faith, my own. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have something like that, that happened? Like, can you go back and go, yeah, you know, I was always a believer because I was steeped in it, but like at this time it, it's when it clicked for me and I, I decided like, this is who I am. So I was young when that happened. I'd just gotten out of a church camp and things were just starting to speak to me. I was like 12. Um, so I was pretty young. Um, I just got out of summer church camp and things were just, I guess I was starting to get, you know, I'd always been in it, but there's a difference in being in it and then being in it. And, um, you know, you, you, it's kind of like getting in a swimming pool. You start off in the shallow end and you stay in the shallow end forever because it, it takes courage to get into that deep end. Well, I didn't get into that deep end of it until, you know, really I was more into the high school. Um, mainly because, you know, you go to public school. So back up, I went to a private school, Christian Heritage um, for middle school. Christian school, great. Like, out of all the years in school, that, like, my best memories were there. And and it was even really, like, from the part of the that, you know, there was Bible class and there was chapel on Wednesday and, you know, that stuff. It was just, like, it just felt like a home, you know. When I went to school there, I just, you know, I, I wasn't getting up saying, oh, I got, I'm going to school, you know. Like I, I just felt like I was, I'm going to go where I feel like I fit in, I belong. And even being exposed to all that, you know, chapel every Wednesday and then we have Bible class every day, you know, like that, not say that it didn't affect me, but when I was in high school and I got to a public school, buddy, that's a game changer. 
uh, yeah, boom, big eyed. Yeah, I was like, eyes oh, open up real wide. Yeah, I was like, okay, I've been here five minutes, and dude over there just said, "Well, I never heard nine at the Christian school." <laughs> you know, I was just like, "What is going on?" You know, I thought, well, <laughs> but you know, and that's when you, that's when you, you you start getting like, okay, I need God. Like, I need to rely on him more and so in high school is when i started relying and when i say relying i mean drawing near and then I, i've held that since so mm-hmm. um, played sports you know played i played basketball that's the reason i transferred i went there to there and to play sports play basketball um better program more competitive and just more for growth and um just ever since then and going through some tough times in high school I, I lost at the time was my best friend um we it was during basketball season he was the manager um he was not athletic at all you know like just one of them guys but man he just lights up every day everybody's day because of he's just got one of those contagious smiles contagious personalities just you know what I mean? You just saw him. You just wanted to go straight to him, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like my biggest fan. Like, hmm. he was making a run for my mom and dad. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he was my biggest fan. Like, he, uh, like I say, he was the manager on the team. And if I'd sit down for a minute, I was having a good game. He'd come over there and be like, dude, you are fired up today. You know what I mean? He was just there. He was just, yeah. he was like, it was like I was almost like his idol. Which I don't know why. I was just a basketball player, and but at the very least, I was a great friend to him, and he was a great friend to me. And um, to shorten that up, he had uh, he had he had uh, had a car accident and was deployed out of the vehicle and was killed. And sixteen years old, and this happened in between a ga- you know a game, and I, we had a, a game. Uh, the day we found out and he was my buddy like he was you know like uh you know the whole uh force gun he's like you know you can't sit here you know kind of thing mm-hmm. it was kind of like that people like you can't sit with me no 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 well i was like buddy sit with me you know and that's when that's where we grew was during yeah. basketball so he was he was just a, a quiet manager that you know nobody tried to really be their best buddy, but I was the one was like, Hey, come on, sit with me. And, you know, and I tell you when that seat was empty, I started really thinking, well, what if that would have been me and where would I've gone? Where would I be? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like I know where this boy mm-hmm. is because not three months before that, he was just so excited bragging about, Hey man, dude, I got saved. You know what I mean? So, so assuring. Praise the Lord, man. Yeah, like, that's so awesome. Like, God's timing is just always perfect. And so, I've, I got to think that same thing. I thought, where would I be? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. things started getting real, like, you know, it was an emotional time. It was, I couldn't even focus on the game that day. And, you know, I thought, God, I'm, I feel lost. Like I just lost my best friend, you know, and now not only am I thinking, I just lost my best friend, 
I'm not a hundred percent sure where I would be if I was the one mm-hmm. that was killed in that car wreck. Yeah. So that that right then, and it was a it was a private deal for me, you know. Like, yeah, I didn't go public with it. I just said, you know, God, this is this is. I want to be sure. And so that happened um, during that bus ride. Mm. I um, I often thought about so before I was saved. Um, there has to be more. I just I knew there has to be more than we're on this earth for however, like if you're lucky, yeah. 70, 80 years. And, and then what? And then, and, and then we're just, it's we're just not. Done. I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't, just, yeah, it just, it, it did, it didn't make sense yeah. to me. And, and so now that <laughs> I know, like you said, you know, um, one of the things that we try to just, really figure out as a ministry is like what keeps guys from engaging like um you know guys that may be listening that don't have a they they may have grown up in church you know they may but if if you think that going because i was a good person or i was in church all the time is going to check that box dude it's not it's not and so I'm always wondering, and I want to get your take on this. What is it that just keeps guys from engaging? And at least like I, I, you can't force it down someone's throat, right? No. Like had my wife did what some of those purple haired old ladies with their crooked fingers were looking down. You just need to get him in church. You need yeah. to, um, if she had done that, you and I wouldn't be talking right Mm-mm. now. Yeah, 100%. That much I can tell you. So I'm wondering, what is it that keeps guys from engaging? Look at the, look at my background. It's all, my whole life's been about church, you know? This fine example there. It wasn't just the, you know, Sunday school, then go to service, then Sunday night, go to service, Wednesday night, be a part of, you know, like what we did was RAs as Royal Ambassadors. And it was just a, you know, is a boys ministry. And, you know, it's just mm-hmm. went through all of that. And, but look how it really, look how, what it took for really, for me to be impacted. You know what I mean? And yeah. that was a hundred percent God. God used that situation in more ways than just one, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of those ways was, you know, he flicked me behind the ear and say, Hey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So I know that you, you probably know guys that aren't saved. Oh, right. Yeah. I do. I know a bunch of them. What? I, so I'll give you my theory and I want to, I want you to tell me if you think I'm on to something or if I'm crazy. Um, because I think about how I was, yeah. I look at a lot of guys in church or, you know, men that go to church and it, they just don't look like anyone that I could relate to. 
because I thought either you had to be a sissy or I can't go have a good time anymore. I've got to clean my act up. Um, you know, I, I don't want the rules of eat this, don't eat that, drink this, don't drink that, do this, don't do that. It, it just seemed to me, and I know what it was. It was religion that I didn't want, but I had no idea. Um, because the Methodists don't talk about hell and the Catholics will tell you all the rules. Um, you know, you got to come get your fix on Saturday afternoon and, you know, by Sunday you feel terrible. Yeah. It's such an agenda to me. Um, yeah, not knocking, you know, um, but you know, I, I don't, that, that's not my belief in, in, in any way, like, well, I was bad today. Yeah, well, I was bad today. Let me, let me go. You know, do this, and I'll be good. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't. I mean, I think a lot of guys look at it like um, I've got to check my salvation, like I check the stock market every day. Yeah, and I got more stuff in the bad column than I got in the good column, so I've got to go get my. And what a miserable existence. Well, you know, a that lot is. of the a lot of the things that I know you and I could probably agree on this is that, especially for Americans, ninety percent of Americans don't like one thing, and that's change. Okay, well, if I if I you know commit to the Lord, I'm gonna have to change. I'm gonna have to change my lifestyle because my lifestyle is this, this, and this. I don't want to change that. I don't want to change. I'll, I'll have mm-hmm. to change friends. I'll have to change, you know, <laughs> I'll have to change from a light beer to a Diet Coke. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, they don't want change. Yeah. And there's a fine line with the change, you know, but here's my thing. If, if you're experience what, you know, a true salvation is, you're not worried. You, you don't care about change. It changes you anyway. Yeah, he's going to do that. Yeah, it it it's just it just naturally comes. You naturally start thinking different. I mean, to me, it's like you know they call it born again. But like I use this as an example. The moment I held my little girl, mm. and you know you're a father, like it you change. You don't think the same. You don't feel the same. Everything changes. And it's, it's a lot like salvation. It's just, it's new birth. Like, it's a total transformation, and it just happens. You you open up your heart, it happens. You're like Just like I did. You open up your heart, you open up your, your arms, and you got this little girl, you know, or boy, in your hand. You don't even, I, I don't even remember my life before it almost, you know, it's just, and I, I think, don't I think I use that as the best example with, of salvation is like, well, if you've ever had a, a child, you can use that in a way of, you just naturally change and you don't even care. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hunt less, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, you know, usually I'm, I am, going every other day during the turkey season i'm i'm wearing out the boots i bet i went three times this year four times i filmed some this year but 
I bet I went four times for me personally. And that, you just change. And not using that as in a negative way. You just, you don't care. I'll let that turkey live because I want to be with my child. You know? Yeah, I think in both situations. So the, the birth of your children and you accepting Christ as your Savior, like your whole reason for life is different. Oh, yeah. Your whole purpose yeah, like, for being here. You have a full excuse to stay alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you thought you had something right. to live for until you had a child. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's kind of what, you know, anybody listening that um, either doesn't know if where they're going when they stop breathing and reach room temperature, that's called dead. Um, anybody that doesn't know, my, my number is easy to find. And my whole reason for being on this earth now has nothing to do with Joey. It's got everything to do with being the ambassador for Christ that I was and the spiritual leader of my house and home and family. That's why I'm here. The answer to the meaning of life to that question is answered immediately, mm-hmm. immediately. Um, you know, one of the greatest joys I have is to know that my three daughters love the Lord with all their heart. Do they act like it? Sometimes no. Um, Do I all the time? No. Um, Do I fail him daily? But do I know that he's never going to leave me or forsake me? Yes. Do I know that he loves me unconditionally? Yes. Do I know that he gives me salvation while religion gave me probation in the past? Yes. There's a lot of questions that are answered. Well, that goes back to God's grace, you know. I guess one of the things that I ask anybody that listens is like, Hey man, what are you afraid of? And just learning. I'm not saying you got to drop down on your knees and just, you know, do the whole altar call thing immediately. But like, what are you afraid of in learning more? And the, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like we could get to a point and we figure out that, Oh, I was wrong. There's no, eternal life there's no god there's no well you know i'm speaking rhetorically there is yeah but what's the worst that can happen if i'm wrong right you you've lived your life as a beacon and a light for other people but if i'm right hmm. uh, you know like it's not good one of the dumbest things you can ever do in life is not invest in insurance God's the greatest insurance you can ever have. Like he's, you know, uh, what's your, you know, what's your, what's your insurance after that? You're dead. You know, you, well, you better, better think about that. Cause that's, <laughs> that's the, that at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. I think too, what, what are people going to say at my funeral? <clears throat> What, what, what are people, what, what legacy are you leaving behind? Uh, he worked real hard, made a lot of money, great guy to be around, super funny. That's, that means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Nothing. Like, you know, like going back to like my dad, like things when he passes and there's going to be a funeral 
the things that like people are going to say are going to be tremendous. And that that you know that's my goal. At the end of the day, I want whether I'm I've been in a room with several people in town and talk to them and I leave that door. What do they say when I close that door? Oh, I'm glad he's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I'd never shut up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or man, I like that guy. He's a great guy. He's got such a good heart, you know, for people, for God, mm-hmm. for, you know, he just shines such a light and you know that yeah. when you get older, like I'm getting older day by day and you know, it's like you start caring about that. You start caring about how you carry yourself, how you, what kind of light are you shining? You're shining a dim light, a bright light or any light, you know, or you just putting darkness in the room, you know, and Mm -hmm. I would hope, you know, and my goal is that, you know, you know, I pass one day and there's my funeral. I would hope that a lot of people say, well, he brought me a lot of joy or he, you know, he was a good friend. He never done the wrong. He, he always had my back. I could have called him anytime and he would have answered or, you know, you know, that's the thing. Like I just, I hope that by the end of this, my life, I've shined a light. Mm. What are some of the companies you're working for now? Photography wise, um, let's get a shot. Let's get a, let's get a shout out for some of the, some of the brands you're representing. Well, so, like, I do a lot of stuff for Over Under Co. I'm actually one of the ambassadors now. And you want to talk about a godly group of people? Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. We just came partnered with this place in Arkansas called Straight Lake. And uh, so we're going to have some, you know, like an ambassador trip, go out there and stuff like that. That would be so cool to get you guys linked in with us. You can talk about drinking coffee and talking about Jesus. But we can yeah. do that. And... uh that's so good, man. man I, that's why I, you know, over under does not pay me. You know, mm-hmm. I just have the ambassador perks and that's totally fine. You know, some people are like, dude, they need to be paying you like half their magazine is your photos. I don't care, man. Like if you knew these people, right. you, you don't want their money. You just want their, mm-hmm. you just want their friendship. You want their, their loyalty and they got mine and you know, they, they're just a such a godly group of people and you know we uh this past year we went to um a place in uh, south dakota signature lodge very very high-end place incredible place if you ever get an opportunity to go go um for one you'll eat like a king and then two you basically you'll forget you were there to go hunt <laughs> but the uh the pheasant yeah. hunting the duck hunting is just top notch top notch uh people the guy who runs it uh he is just stand up and you know the, the craziest thing about all this is we're sitting in there you know we're it's almost like we're just being treated like royalty but at the end of the day when we we got done talking about you know business we talked most about each other's walk with God or, you know, how, how did you, how did you, you know, how did you find God? How did you, you know what I mean? Or what do you, what, what do you think God's yeah. doing in your life? You know, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think there's many companies that would have those conversations. So it was, 
fewer and fewer today no, than ever before, I can guarantee Yes, you yes. And so that's why I'm like, man, I will never, as long as I can control it, I will never leave these guys. Um, they're just, they're so awesome. So over under be probably um, definitely uh, just one of my favorites just because of their background. And I'm, we will have more conversations about this trip. 100 percent um one of the things they they allow me to do is try to link um people together and that's kind of like what happened mm-hmm. with uh the signature lodge i linked them up with over under and a few people in between and um so i definitely would like to talk more about that we might can do it the same yeah. and uh we could definitely have some great fellowship there um I, working with and i've done work for kind of a little different i'm working uh with a guy i'm sure you've heard of him. his name's aaron davis um and he's a photographer and uh, a dang good one at that um he's probably one of my top he's definitely my top five um just because he's like his style is similar to mine and he's like me mm-hmm. as far as color. We like color. We like contrast. We like a little bit of saturation, you know. Um, I've been able to work with him some so far. This uh, this just started with him. And, man, he's he's an awesome dude. Um, very impressed with his, even his faith. He uh, He's open about his faith. He's He, uh, he is a believer. Uh, carries around his Bible, that's for sure. So he... Um, you know, and, and I've done uh, some work in the past with uh, Seek One Productions. Um, so, you know, th- I think that's what another way I can say this is a God thing because some of the people that I've been involved with are big time Christians. So I feel like God's putting me in places that I should be. Mm-hmm. I mean,. I'm sitting with over under and they're everybody's talking like openly talking about their faith. I'm working with Aaron Davis, who is a, is a believer, you know, and I didn't know this guy from Adam. He just reached out to me and we started doing some work. You know, this guy could have been the biggest atheist on earth. You know what I mean? And then I've done work with seek one productions and you know, I got to shout out those guys. So they're the real deal. Yes. They kill. It's a big deer. And they, they work their tails off, you know, and a lot of, they get bashed a lot, whatever. They, you know, they're, they're real guys behind the camera. You know, when I hit record, they don't change. Like, you know, I turn record off, they don't change. They're the same true people. Um, they, they walk the walk. That's for sure. Talk the talk. Um, those are some of the people that I've been, doing work with and so with the stuff with Aaron um can't like fully talk about just for NDA reasons and stuff but he's got me he's tying me up with all of his clientele and you know and helping him out because his plate's so full and he's been blessed to have more than what he can really take on so it's a huge uh, compliment to me that somebody like him um trusts me to help him out and you know, fulfill these, uh, these content needs that he does for his clients. So those are some of them. And then just, um, random people, you know, sending me, uh, gear, you know, and say, Hey, we need this, they need this, you know, um, 
it's more of an NDA type situation. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of photos out there in the social media world that you'd have never known if I took that photo, basically, because you know they have right. rights to it. But you know, um, I will say this: I am doing um, some more church oriented activities uh, local. Uh, just did a, no, that's good. Yeah, man, just did a just did a local local um deal here it's you ever heard of run for god Mm -mm. okay so it's it started years ago the guy here in town he's been a member of our church uh far as i can remember he started this uh, run for god club it's just a running club and ministry involved and now like it was i it started off in like five or six churches and now it's nationwide and the, he just had the uh, event where there were people that came to this event. It was a two-day event. It was a race and then worship the next day and all this. And there are people from Ireland, Germany coming. Insane. Wow. Yes. And just so he he trusted me to get the, you know, do a video. I did. Um, so we did interviews. You know, how how is run for God changed your life? How has, um, how has running, you know, helped you grow with God? It's, you know, it was just that alone opened up such an eye to me. You know, I'm thinking you probably got closer to God cause you about died. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. You just ran a marathon. You saw the lot of God. You were, you were about dead. That's why. But no, yeah. it's just unreal. Like how something like running, can change your life and man I, I will send you a link you've got to hear this one guy's testimony holy cow like if if you don't believe in god like this would be great for any viewer that has a has a really hard time grasping a god i yeah you you need to hear this guy's story um but uh, yeah, doing a lot of stuff. Where is it on? Is it on a YouTube kind of thing? No, it's on their website. It'll be runforgod.com. Okay. I, can, I can send you the link so you can just watch just the video and you can see like some of the, um, you can see all the, the interviews we did. Um, and they're all testimonial. Well, we can put the, we can put a link in yeah. the show notes in the show description and anybody listening can watch it afterwards. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. Cause that, that really opens eyes. Um, even if, even just being a believer, that just strengthens the core. You know what I mean? You just like, you know, you, you, you're, it doesn't matter how strong your relationship is with God. When you keep hearing stuff about how God has impacted them, it strengthens your relationship with God. It strengthens your trust in him. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'll tell you what, man, where, I I could not agree with you more because one of the things that we're doing now is what we call a muster. Mm-hmm. And it's so we find these hunting lodges and and places like Timber Flats or Southside or whatever that sit empty during the summer. Yeah. Right? Have no purpose during the, there's no season open. Like um, the only time you go there is to cut the grass. Right. Um and so we have it the the wild, which I think every man should read Wild at Heart at least once by John Eldridge. Um, we have his whole boot camp on video. I mean, they gave us their content to say, if, if the guys can't come to Colorado, 
you've got your small circle of guys, um, have four days and it's not a retreat. That's the last thing that any of us need, but it's just about rediscovering and, and re, um, just re-engaging the wild masculine heart that God gave us. You know, scripture says we were built in the image of God. And it also says that our God is a warrior. He's a man of war. He's a warrior. And like it says in Wild at Heart, if you ever watch like little boys play, like what do they play? It's, it's sword fights with sticks and war and, and, you know, the whole action and adventure. And like, I look at it now, like, where did that go in me? You know, like what happened that that heart just gets buried under all the crap that life throws at us. Right. Until we, we don't even remember who we, we are. Right. And so at these musters, like you start hearing guys stories and it's just like, man, this ain't no accident. This ain't no coincidence. There, there is no way that this is a worldwide hoax of people just, it's just, it can't be. Yeah. It can't be. And that's what I love about our musters. We've got one, we have one coming up in North Carolina in August. And I'm so excited, man, because COVID just killed it. <laughs> we had a bunch of them scheduled and, yeah. you know, the Rona just did what it did to everybody yeah. and knocked us, knocked us off schedule. Yeah. Put a pause finally... on civilization. <laughs> oh, everything, everything. And so that's, I'm churches. so, I know that. Oh man. Big. I mean, to where it was like, they're locking pastors up if they want to have service. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, some churches had to figure out how are we going to go live then? How do we even do that? You know? Uh, yeah our church didn't do that until then yeah there's more to it than just uh oh you know it's no there there's something else behind it but that's what i love about our musters is just the people the guys that come together from all walks of life and like the whole notion is we're we're broken as men because our fathers before us were broken as men and their fathers were broke and their fathers and they're all the way back to Adam. Yeah. I mean, we didn't break it, so we can't fix it. Right. And there's only one person that can, but it, it, these things, these sessions that we go through make you look at, okay, man, uh, you know, I like to pretend like I got everything together and I'm this, me, Joey, right? right? I'm this super salesperson and I'm producing a man on the outside, like nice house, beautiful family, everything. Dude, I'm scared to death. I'm telling you, sometimes I, I just, things come at me and I try to deal with them and it scares me to death. Oh yeah. And I'm not afraid to say it. And these things just put everything out on the, these sessions just put everything out on the table and Man, when you can face your brokenness and admit to it and and then turn to the only one that can fix it, bro, it, it changes lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really, really, really does. Oh, yeah. Man, we've been at it almost two hours, man. Seems like a pretty good place to, to wrap it. You got any closing thoughts before we do so? Man, it, it means the world to me to be uh, on this podcast, you know, and it there's another example of, you know, God, um, 
coming and using what I do for a living now, you know, getting involved with you guys now, you know, talking to you guys, be, just being affiliated, you know, you're, you're guilty by association. Well, if I'm guilty by working with guys like Seek One and Aaron Davis and, and, and over under that I have a Christian background, then you guys, hey, I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm guilty. That's right. I'm totally That's right. It, you know, so it was a blessing to be a part of this. Uh, great talk. Um, just more strength to the core of our relationship with God. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you have a good night and uh, let's talk again real soon, brother. Yeah, we will be having conversations about uh, some, some duck hunting this year, getting the over under guys and we'll have some real fellowship. Oh, Maybe we yeah, can get Garrett on one, it, one night and get him. <laughs> we can get him. Oh man, we'll, we'll get we'll get on to him. Now, now we're talking. Have a good night, brother. And with that, John Brooker has left the conversation. What an absolute blessing um, to have John on. Like I said, man, we our paths in life cross for a very succinct reason and our whole job is to figure out what is that reason i encourage everybody to go to john brooker photo on instagram see if it doesn't hit you like it hit me um i just i love his work i love his heart um i can definitely uh, predict that our paths are going to cross again in the future. Maybe another episode. Who knows? Um, if you want to support the podcast, please do so. We've got a store with merch. Uh, you can always donate. A lot of people don't know, but Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry is a five hundred one c three. So any 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 donation, large or small, is tax deductible, and um, we'll definitely uh, hook you up with the you know, the receipt to show that. And it's just, um, it's just a way of keeping the podcast going. I mean, this stuff isn't free. Um, and so we can use any help that, uh, you can give us, uh, we appreciate you listening. And if you like the episode, um, why don't you consider sharing it? And again, John talked about it and I talked about it. You guys out there that maybe don't have a relationship, um, with Christ, with the risen savior, and you really don't know what we're talking about. Man, it's not scary. Give us a call. Give me a call. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a message. I mean, you can get in touch with me, us, man, all kind of different ways. So don't let that opportunity pass. I mean, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So anybody has questions what we're talking about, give us a call. Um, Get in touch with us, and we'll be happy to talk to you. God bless everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, And until next time, bye, y'all.